Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Legal 500's Corporate Conversations. I am Joe Boswell, Head of Research of the Legal 500's GC Powerless series, and I'm here to introduce you to my conversation with Lisa Ann Cooney, General Counsel of construction company Day and Zimmerman. In this chat, we touched on a whole host of topics related to federal drug laws in the United States, with Lisa lamenting the lack of clarity between state and federal expectations and how this impacts employers. Anyway, enough from me. Here is the blunt facts of federal drug laws in the United States fit for purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Corporate Conversations. My name is Joe Boswell, and today I will be interviewing Lisa Ann Cooney, who is general counsel of Philadelphia headquartered construction company Day and Zimmerman. Uh, we've got a really interesting and uh, potentially slightly controversial issue to discuss today under the uh, somewhat provocative title of the blunt facts are federal drug laws fit for purpose in modern America. Uh, with a growing increase in state but not federal legislative support for the use of medical and recreational marijuana, more and more US employers have questions on whether they need to relax their drug testing policies. Uh, this is even more challenging for US government contractors who often have specific clauses in their contracts with the government that require drug-free workplaces or drug-free employees. Um, Lisa has a wealth of experience in this area. She's got a, had a very extensive career, which I will um, ask her to expand upon in a, in a moment. Um, but she's going to talk us through about where the uh, contradictions lie and um, how we might be able to find a uh, path forward in the future. Um, so uh, welcome, Lisa. Uh, great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. I'm uh, coming to you from Zoom from my home. We're still... Uh, in the pandemic over here in the states yeah we're working from home as well you can't see because we've got the background up but um yeah currently my home office as well um but yeah the, the first thing i wanted to ask was um if you could just speak briefly about uh your career background uh how you got to where you are and um yeah about your your current company sure um so i spent so w went to law school um spent my first 13 years out of law firm at what we call kind of big firm, uh, a large um, national practice, um, practice on labor and employment law. So that's my area of expertise. Um, did a lot of counseling of clients on compliance with the law, but also a lot of litigation in state and federal court and in the single plaintiff context and the class action context. We don't think over in Europe, you have as many class actions as we do here in the, in the States. Um, but for the last 15 years, I've worked with Day and Zimmerman. It's a privately held company headquartered in Philadelphia. Uh, it's been around for about 120 years. Um, I started with Day and Zimmerman as a divisional general counsel for one of its four business groups. And this group is called Yo, and it provides staffing solutions to some of the world's largest companies, including some in Europe. And when I was there, I was responsible for litigation strategy, contract negotiation advice, and, and legal compliance. And then in January of 2020, I became was promoted and I became the senior vice president and general counsel of the entire company. And so I lead a team of about 25 individuals in the company's law department. And in addition, I'm chair of our company's ethics and compliance committee. We have a large government business, so I'm the designated senior official for something called our Insider Threat Program, and I'm a member of the company's nine-person leadership council, which um, is the largest, um, pardon me, the, the most senior leadership council and executive team, and it makes decisions 
regarding strategy and policy for the company overall. Wonderful. Thanks very much. Um, so um, as we uh, have touched on previously, um, the uh, pace of change as regards uh, marijuana uh, and its legality or not in American society is moving quite quickly at the moment. Um, it's completely legalized for recreational use in uh, a number of states and there's a load more where uh, people can use it for medical reasons um, and that seems to have come along reasonably quickly like wh when was it that um, you first started to be sort of interested in where the law stands on, on this and like how it um, might affect employers uh, you know as a matter of course. I would say, I would say starting I want to even say maybe even 10 years ago mm. you started to see the discussion and in the last five years a number of states, like you said, Joe, have legalized marijuana for either medical purposes, recreational purposes, or both. Mm. But yet, at a federal level, marijuana is on what we call our um, controlled substance list, essentially is still illegal from a federal perspective. Um, so it's been a bit of a maze. And so we've been really um, paying attention to it um, because it's our job, my team for, since it began, particularly because my company's business operations require it to onboard and offboard tens of thousands of employees each year. And by onboard as fancy way of saying we hire people and we send them to client sites to perform different services. Um, and we work in high threat environments, blue collar environments, white collar environments and safety sensitive environments. So before we send any of our employees to a client job assignment, most times we need to screen them according to ours or the client's requirements, one of which may be a drug screen, um, something we do a lot over here in the States. So we have to stay up to date on whether the company can drug test applicants or employees, what tests we can use, and at what point in time we can drug screen. So it's, um, it's complicated. Yeah, it's an extremely complicated issue, it, it seems. Um, and I suppose um, as an employer, um, you've probably had quite a lot of times when this has um, reared its head. Um, could you give us maybe a rundown of the, the typical, the way like a, a, an issue might develop for you like regarding this? Um, what the, the most common headaches you have in regards to this uh, incongruence between the federal and um, state laws? Sure, I mean, I think the best way I was thinking about this, I think the best way to kind of explain the, the disconnect um, is to just use an example. So I'll use New York law as an example. Um, and I'll preface it by saying, you know, employers like my company, we we want to comply with the law. We don't want to, you know, we're, we're well-intentioned. We want to respect the law. Um, but because the federal versus state kind of position on marijuana has been in flux, the job, our jobs are kind of more difficult because if you comply with the ever growing number of state laws permitting use of marijuana, you risk violating federal law um, and vice versa. And so, um, I guess to illustrate that point, I'll talk about New York law. Um, in 2021, New York um, passed a state law making recreational marijuana legal in the state of New York. 
And then the law went further and it talked about employment and it said employees and applicants for employment are protected from discrimination if they use marijuana outside of business hours. Um, it, it does say that an employer can take an adverse employment action against an employee who's impaired in the workplace. So who's using marijuana in the workplace, but absolutely gives protections to kind of marijuana use outside of, um, of work hours. And remember over here, um, over on the other side, we still have federal law that says marijuana is an unlawful controlled substance under the federal, um, under federal law. Um, so how does this kind of affect U.S. employers? Well, U.S. employers often screen for drug use um, in the workforce. They enforce their kind of zero tolerance policy for use, uh, for use of unlawful drugs while at work by drug testing. I think it's different over, um, over across the pond, um, but it's, it's pretty common here. Um, so in the case of a New York employer, if a drug test came out positive for marijuana, the employer can take an adverse employment action, meaning fire or rescind a job offer, if the test indicates that the employee is impaired while at work. Um, but if a positive test shows that the employee use marijuana on the weekend, the employer can't do anything. So you think that would be easy. The problem is that the most common, for a number of reasons, the most common drug screen test is a urine test for marijuana. And a urine test only can tell you if somebody used marijuana up to 30 days but it does not tell you when it was used on a Saturday night, a weekend, or a Tuesday during work. So basically, uh, New York employers really need to reconsider using drug tests at all when it comes to using marijuana. Um, so let me pause right there um, and just check in with you. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I mean, I suppose you, you, you briefly mentioned that for a number of reasons, this test, which only um, can tell you, give you a green light or a red light for the past 30 days. And that's the most common way of doing it. Um, what are the reasons that that's the only, is that the only test that's available or is it done for reasons of cost or? Well, so let me, um, let's say you used, um, a blood test. Yeah. Um, so this is, um, over the years. So a blood test, then you're, if you, I don't think anyone, uh, I'm speaking anecdotally, right. um, but I don't think any employer uses a blood test, generally speaking, because blood tests then trigger a whole other host of um, legal issues surrounding an employee's or applicant's right to privacy into their body, mm -hmm. right? So it's considered, the courts see it as more invasive. Mm -hmm. And so there are even more protections. And it's also, I think, more expensive. So I am paying attention to saliva tests. Um, and I wonder if saliva tests are going to take the place of urine tests um, because my limited understanding of saliva tests, so I'm not a medical professional, is that it, it, um, it can tell you if you've used marijuana for, I think, 72 hours. Again, it gets us closer, but 72 hours could be the difference between a Saturday night and a Monday morning. Of course, yeah that we might still be in the same place. This is a problem then, isn't it? I mean, um, because um, well, when we were, I was, uh, I was speaking to some of my colleagues about this session we were doing and they were saying, well, alcohol's legal, but you can be fired for being drunk on the job. The issue is with the testing, right? 
because the testing is not accurate enough to work out whether you yeah i mean with alcohol if there's a certain amount in your blood that's it you're over the limit but with cannabis it's exactly right right the breathalyzer test shows you if you're impaired at that moment in time Mm. right Um, so it's a little different with a, a a drug screen right now the new york law to continue so the new york law does say if someone's impaired in the workplace they can be um fired right um and it gives a very detailed definition of what impairment is it kind of talks about objective kind of objective evidence and it's a very detailed and then it becomes you know so what we're going to have to do is really train our human resources professionals and what i see happening is there's probably going to be a big collateral discussion about whether an employer had enough and recorded enough documentation to show that an employee was uh, impaired as defined by that New York statute um, in order to, you know, fire someone if, if we believe they were impaired by marijuana. You know, and oh, by the way, every state has a different version of this for those states, right? They have different definitions, different exceptions to the law. And that's where it gets complicated for employers, mm. incredibly complicated. Because if you think about it, you have to design a process by who's going to be the person that knows the particular state laws. How do we screen? How do we train? Um, and you're creating then, I, it's not 50 at this point. I think you said there's 18 states, but at this point you've got 18 mini processes to make sure that you're complying with state versus federal law. Mm. Um, I mean, this is sort of, uh, as an American general counsel, you know, working in the United States where you do have federal law and state law, which is something we, we don't have to deal with so much in, in the UK. Um, I mean, how bad is this? You, you get these sort of incongruences in numerous areas, right? Like, is this, it, how does this, does the marijuana issue rate on, on uh, your sort of uh, headaches you have to deal with um, dealing with federal and state law simultaneously? It's, it's a headache. Um, we see this a lot too with um, paid sick leave. So again, I'm, I'm quite aware that, you know, again, the states are quite different from over um, in, in, um, in the UK and in Europe in terms of paid sick leave. But um, we have a federal statute that protects employees um, for three months for unpaid sick leaves. And then state laws come in and supplement that and require employers to, to give paid leave either concurrently and sometimes not concurrently. Um, and the reasons, um, that would warrant, um, paid leave under the different state laws differ. (laughs) And so it's very similar. So when it comes to employment law and employment benefits, we see this a lot Mm -hmm. and it is a headache, as you say. Um, um, and it's interesting. Um, you would, what what the headache would go away if if at a federal level there's something called preemption mm. where if at a federal level um congress indicated that this this will be the law um and that states can't change it um it would ensure much more compliance quite frankly mm. um which you need to have one law to comply with and and it would be as you say less of a headache mm. 
Well, that's what I sort of wanted to move on next. So there are there is uh, talk of uh, removing marijuana from the um, federal list of controlled substances. Um, but um, it's my understanding that it's not particular. It's it's under discussion, right? Is that is that correct? But it's not necessarily gonna gonna pass. Um, yeah, but it's called the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Right. It passed earlier this year, our House of Representatives, mm -hmm. and I believe it sits in the Senate right now. Um, and um, you know, there's websites where you can track to see what's what's the likelihood of of it passing the Senate and then being signed into federal law by the president. And I think it, the last I checked, it was at thirty percent probability. Um, the um, the main thrust of that legislation would be to remove marijuana from the Federal Controlled Substances Act. So I don't think it has a um, I don't think it has a, a strong chance of passing. But I'm just guessing. I'm just speculating. And I don't take a position. Um, you know, my personal position on whether people should be used is, is my personal opinion. I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that. Um, we just would love to have a uniform standard. Of, as employers and HR and compliance professionals um, so that we're, we're doing the right thing and we're following the law. But right now, whatever the law is, is kind of changing and moving. It's a moving target for us yeah, it's as employers. Extremely complicated, I must yeah. say. Um, and you are a, uh, you do some work uh, as a federal contractor, right? Um, your company, um, I believe. And, and that makes things even more complicated. I think he, I think he yes, it makes it even way more complicated. So um, anyone who does, um, so we have two, we have a, a large government operations. And so <clears throat> um, if you, we sign contracts with the federal government um, and um, oftentimes in government contracts, depending on the agency with whom you're contracting. So for example, the Department of Defense, the Department of State, uh, the Department of Labor, um, there are clauses in your contract. And um, if you think about on the defense side of the house, um, there will be um, clauses that require the employer to have a, what I'll call a drug-free person requirement, mm. meaning you have to drug test and there is no exception for off-duty use, right? The person needs to be free of drugs. And that makes sense depending on the services that you're providing for the employer, right? Safety sensitive, protective services, that makes perfect sense. And then there are other clauses that just, um, that are less stringent or, um, and they'll say, for example, the federal contractor, us, has to follow uh, the Federal Drug-Free Workplace Act. And all that statute does is say, you have to have a zero tolerance policy for use in the workplace and you have to train, but you're not required to drug test. And so taking all this back to say the New York statute, the New York statute will have exceptions. So they say, you know, the general default is you're allowed to use marijuana off duty. Um, but they'll say, but employers can, if they have a federal contract, they're at risk of losing a federal contract they can go ahead and kind of, they'll, they'll fall within an exception to this New York law. Um, but that kind of standard, right? Um, you're at risk of losing a federal contract. Kind of what does, you know, what does that mean? So oftentimes when I take it back to what I said, we, we send our workers to work at a client site. So 
Clients oftentimes will tell us you have to drug screen because, quote, we're a federal contractor, close quote. Well, now we have to kind of really kind of bug our client and say, well, wait a minute. Can you go back and check your federal contracts? Because we're we're essentially a subcontractor to their federal contract. And we have to kind of say, if your clause just has the Drug-Free Workplace Act, that's not enough to fall within the New York statute. But if you have a drug-free person's requirement, then then we think we're okay. Um, So now we're in a position of having to bug um, or sometimes educate our own client. And you have, um, sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not depending on who the client is. Mm. Um, So um, sometimes they just don't want to, you know, they don't, they're not as responsive. So, you know, and they just, you'll just get an email that says, I said, we're a federal contractor. And it was like, well, that might not be enough again, because if all you have is the drug-free workplace, that doesn't mean it. That just, that's, that's not enough. So then we're at risk. So if we follow the client's instructions and screen and deny employment to someone who tested positive for marijuana and think we can use this exception as a federal contractor, it might blow up in our face in litigation later. And then we're left holding the bag. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a really it's clearly something in which needs to be fixed. Uh, it seems like. Um, and and on that topic, uh, what would you what would be something that you think could happen? Um, you know, we've we've got this this um, uh, act sitting in the Senate, which may or may not be passed, removing marijuana from the controlled substances list. That would remove a lot of the headaches from your end if that passes. But if it doesn't, what are some of the other uh, things that, uh, you know, messages you could get from the authorities that would give you some clarity? Like, would you just like, uh, yeah, some something that would make your life easier that could might happen in the next year or so? Well, I do think having the exception, um, you know, under New, law, under New York law for federal contractors, if the other states did that, that would make life mm. much, much easier. Um, but I don't think the, the headache's going to go away until we have a fed, until the federal government either takes it off the Controlled Substance Act or passes legislation that kind of preempt it's called preempts the field on the topic of uh, of marijuana. Mm. It's it's not going to go away. Mm. It's not going to be. Well, no, I mean it's, it seems like it's sort of a it's a catch twenty two, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and are you working with other companies to try and um, get get things moving forward on this issue? I imagine there's plenty of other employers that are in the exact same um, boat as you. Um, you sort of uh, I think more and more employers are speaking out through lobbying and through organizations. I'm having conversations like this with you, so um, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're 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 trying. You know, we're well intentioned. We have good. We absolutely want to comply with the law. Um, yeah. We just want direction, right, from our from our legislatures. Yeah, you know, lawyers For like sure. to know exactly when they're in the right and can you know report that to their business partners. You know, right. so. and in the meantime, we're working with our clients, our subcontractors. Um, when when we're the prime, we're working with our subcontractors, and then we're working with our clients when we're using their federal contract and analyzing their federal contract to see if there's an exception. <clears throat> Has this got worse over, um, over since, uh, you know, the, 
the business, entire business landscape has been so disrupted over the past couple of years. Um, has that had any major effect on, on this? Um, I imagine the way you employ people might have changed somewhat over that time, or is that just a non-issue in terms of this? I didn't hear the first part. I apologize. I was saying uh, just um, the fact that um, the past couple of years have been such a disrupted uh, state in terms of employing employing people anyway. Like, um, Was this something that was already on your radar before the pandemic or has uh, the pandemic sort of uh, exacerbated uh, this issue or did it give you more time to think about it or um, yeah, any sort of uh, intersection between those two? Matters? Absolutely on our radar before the pandemic. Mm. It just, I think the pandemic ran concurrent with more and more states passing mm. recreational marijuana laws, but I don't know if there's a, um, causation between the pandemic and states like New York passing recreational laws. It's just more and more passing them. You know, New Jersey just New Jersey just passed um, where I live. New Jersey just passed um, a, a law um, making again uh, recreational marijuana um, lawful in the state of New Jersey. So yeah, there's more and more very quickly, like um, and almost without too much fanfare. Um, I think when the first couple of states um, made it legal for recreational use, it was quite a big deal even over here. But um, there's tons of other states that followed suit. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be a, a real trend. Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't even, it's not, you're absolutely right. I remember when Colorado and California, mm. it was, as you said, a lot of fanfare. And mm. it's just, um, I also think, you know, the, um, Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Okay. The, um, I don't want to say the younger generation, I, they look at marijuana differently. I don't, you know, whether I agree or not, they do. Um, mm. And so I do think that this is the trend. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. But obviously, as, a, as an employer, it's uh, the law is not quite where it needs to be. Um, and yeah. Real disconnect there. Um, but anyway, look, I think we've... Um, I think we've um, exhausted all of the questions I had pre-prepared. Um, I know this is something that you are quite passionate about. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to say on the, on the topic before we uh, conclude? Yeah, you know, um, that, like I, I think what I said before is that I, I don't have my, you know, I keep my personal opinions to myself. Uh, I just want to make sure that as a, um, a, an employer, with employees in most of the states and in Europe, I want to make sure we're following the law, right? I mean, that's my job. Um, and um, talking about things like this hopefully will draw attention to um, the complications of tr trying to do the right thing, right? Um, and so just, yeah, make it easy on us. <laughs> Give us one standard. That would be terrific. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so brilliant. Lisa Ancuni, General Counsel of Day and Zimmerman, thank you very much for speaking to us on um, episode nine of Corporate Conversations. Um, and um, yeah, have a great rest of the day. <laughs> thank you, Joe. It was nice talking to you. Very nice speaking to you.